Good morning. <clears throat> so, technology is theological. Technology is theological. And with a sermon title like that, um, it's only fitting, and I think it's the only time it's ever sort of permissible. I'm going to do something for Pastor Randy while he's gone. Uh, we're going to send him a picture. So I'm going to take a selfie, if that's okay with you guys. All right, everyone cheese. There we go. We're going to send that to him right now. Technology. So great. For some of you, that's the only selfie you will ever take in your life. So you're welcome. And that is sent to him. All right. Well, I'm very, very grateful that Pastor Randy, <laughs> you know what kind of sermon it's going to be like now. Uh, I'm very grateful that Pastor Randy assigned me this topic because everyone who knows me uh, knows that this is something near to my heart, um, technology. So studying for the sermon, it, it served me, served me uh, in how I think about, how I use, how I interact with technology, and I pray that it's going to serve you as well. Um, now, it's very likely that in this room there are four groups of people here. Uh, the first group, you have grown up in this digital age. You know nothing but computers and smartphones. Uh, tech, you've embraced consumer technology as part of your everyday life. You, you, you use Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Snapchat, Periscope. You might even have a LinkedIn account and you actually use it. Uh, I don't, but I get all these invites, I don't understand. If you don't know what any of these things are, then you're probably not in the first two categories. All right, and, so it's, and that's completely fine. That is totally fine. The second group, you have a smartphone, a TV, maybe a smart TV, an LCD TV. Uh, you have cable. Uh, you probably have a laptop, but you only go on these things a few times a day, check email, maybe if someone texts you. Uh, the third group, you have a phone, but it's not a smartphone. You know, it's a normal flip phone. You have TV and cable, but that's about it. You turn off your phone at night. Who in the world turns off their phone anymore? I don't, I don't know, but you turn off your phone every night. That's actually good. So if you have any problems with your phone, turn it off and turn it back on. Give it a rest. Um, that's free. Um, the fourth group, you don't have any sort of mobile phone, you still use your landline, you might have a TV and some cable. And that's, that's, like I said, totally fine. Of course, there's a fifth group, but I don't think I have to mention it because I don't see a horse-drawn carriage in the parking lot. So, um, so as I considered how to preach on this topic, I hit this roadblock because I know there's a wide range of people here this morning. And so I was, I was praying, I was asking God, how in the world am I going to speak to everyone here? And God made something very clear to me. And I want to ask a question. Please respond by raising your hand. How many of you would say that you use technology on a regular basis throughout your day every day? How many of you would say you use technology on a regular basis every day? Yeah. All right. Good. For those of you who, who didn't raise your hand, how about I ask it in this way? How many of you woke up in a bed this morning? Yeah, every, everyone, hopefully everyone. 
How many of you brushed your teeth? I want to see all hands raised this morning. Okay, good. How many of you ate, maybe you didn't eat breakfast, but how many of you ate breakfast? Plan to eat something today. How many of you used some sort of vehicle, whether powered or not, to get here this morning? Yeah, all of, everyone. So I hope, I hope, I hope that's, you know, that's clear. Everyone uses technology. All of that is technology. The pew you sit in, the hymnal in your pews, this building, the sound, our Bibles, not the content, but the binding and all of this are products of technology. The only thing that you see here that isn't technology is the AC because it doesn't exist here. And uh, we are praying the Lord provide. Lord have mercy. Uh, so this morning I hope that, um, that you'll, uh, you'll get three things, that you'll take away three things from my sermon. Sometimes I like to give the application in the beginning so that you can listen to the whole sermon and, and think, okay, that's how I'm going to apply that. Um, the first thing I want you to take away is that I hope, I want to help you think biblically or Christianly about technology. I want to help you think biblically or Christianly about technology. Two, I want you to understand the risks that come with technology. I want you to understand the risks that come with technology. And three, I want you to know how to use technology to obey and glorify God. And we'll do this in three points. Those are are basically my three points. Point number one, technology is theological. Point two, technology is risky. Point three, technology for the glory of God. So if you'll please turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 1. Or as Pastor Randy says, turn on your Bibles for some of you to your ESV Bible. And that's not as bad as it sounds. Yeah, I, I mean, in 2 John, verse 12, the Apostle John himself mentions e-Bibles. I just want you to know. He says, though I have much to write to you, I would rather not use paper and ink. <laughs> yep. And God showed him the things to come. He saw. He's like, guys, you know, there's going to be a time. Just saying. So before we get into it, I want to define the term technology. Merriam-Webster defines technology as this. The use of science in industry, engineering, etc. to invent useful things or to solve problems. The Oxford Dictionary defines technology as the application of scientific knowledge for practical purposes. And probably my favorite definition of technology is this, the application of science, math, engineering, art, and other fields of knowledge to create tools and implementations deemed useful by a society. And that was from the scholarly Urban Dictionary. That's my favorite one. It combines all the others. Basically, tech is something invented that helps make our everyday lives easier. Technology is something invented that makes our everyday lives easier. It is a product of science, which makes my first point sound weird, doesn't it? Technology is theological, point number one. Technology is theological. And before we get into that, let me just pray really quickly. Heavenly Father, our great God, Creator God, we come to you this, this morning as beggars. 
needing to receive from you. We come not bringing anything in our hands, um, but needing everything from you. So would you pour out your grace abundantly, liberally, generously upon us now as we hear your word being preached. Be with me. I, I love these people here, and I want to serve them well. Would you use me, Father? Use me to serve my, my friends, my family here at Kahului Baptist. Help me to serve them well so that we might make much of you in our use and engagement of technology. May all of this, may all of this, everything that we do, the, the meditations and intentions of our heart, may it be pleasing to you now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Point number one, technology is theological. Sure, technology is scientific. I'm, I'm not arguing that it is not. However, as Christians, we are to think about all of life through the lens of the Bible. As Christians, we are to have renewed and transformed minds to think about things in relation to our sovereign God who has placed us in a specific time and place in human history. As Christians, we are to think theologically or biblically or Christianly about the world around us. This begs the question, does the Bible speak about technology? Yes and no. Yes and no. It doesn't mention uh, iOS or iPhones or Android or, or NFC, LTE, MST, uh, all M, CDMAG, all those other stuff that we, you know, the people in the tech world talk about. It doesn't mention all of that. But God gives us general principles about how we are to interact and, and view technology. So technology is theological. I want to give you three ways that it is theological. The first, technology is theological in that it reveals the creative purposes of our created God, creative God. It reveals the creative purposes of our creator God. This is, this is a simple principle. All that we see has been created by God. There is nothing that has been invented, therefore, that was used from that were not was not used from elements and substances that God had not already created. In Genesis 1:1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. That pretty much sums it all up. He created the universe. The phone in your pocket the TV in your house, the house itself, the car you drive, all of it was created out of things that God had created in the beginning. Elements, electricity, magnetism, energy, everything that science uses and deals with, all of it was created by God. So when we walk down this, this path, this way of thinking, we cannot say that these things were created just to be there for us to invent stuff and say, cool invention. We look at Colossians chapter 1, verse 16. We know that there is a purpose for all of this. Colossians 1, 16. For by him, Jesus, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. All things were created for him. How does that work? It was created so that we might say, glory, glory, glory to Jesus. Praise be to Jesus. Amen. 
Everything was created for that purpose, for Jesus. We look at what man has created and we say glory, glory to Jesus. He is good and he, he shows us kindness to us to give us things that make our lives easier. Praise God for that. We take that for granted every single day. At lunch, when you pray for your food, thank God for his kindness that we get to live easily. Then we read verse 17 in Colossians chapter 1. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. This verse gets me all the time. When I think of things being held together, I think of the opposite, it not being held together. Right? I couldn't think of anything that, that just explodes if it wasn't being held together. Right? I think of chaos. I think of things everywhere all over the place. I think of explosions. When things aren't held together, there is chaos. But Jesus holds it all together. He sustains everything. He sustains the universe. He keeps the world spinning, galaxies moving, screws and gorilla glass don't keep my phone together, nor does breathing keep you alive this morning. Jesus holds it all together. Amen. Technology uses the very things that God has already created, and he, ha and, and he has created all things so that Jesus might be looked at as glorious. So that's the first point uh, under my first point, technology is theological in that it reveals the creative purposes of our creator God. Number two, technology is theological in that it reveals the image of our creator God in mankind. Technology is theological in that it reveals the image of our creator God in mankind. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 through 27, then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So man, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. We, we are beings that bear the image of our creator. And in bearing God's image, we then become, we are, we are creative beings. It never ceases to amaze me at just how creative some people are. Doesn't it, doesn't it amaze you how creative some people are? I mean, do you know the power you hold in your hand when you hold a smartphone? NASA, here's a quote off of NASA's website. Smartphones today have more than 100 times the computing power of the average satellite. With fast processors, high-resolution cameras, GPS receivers, and several radios and sensors built in, in fact, They've built whole satellites around smartphones and old ones, old ones, like two years ago. That's old in the technology world. They built whole satellites. The amount of computing power you hold in your pocket wouldn't even fill a, the, a room the size of a large house 20 years ago. Doesn't that blow your mind? People are so creative. The amount, I mean, music, music. You have composers like Mozart and Bach. How creative people are. It's amazing. Paintings, the, the car you drive, advances in science and medicine. It all displays how creative the human mind is, and all of that is 
imaging our creative and creator God. We're meant to, to see all of this, to see these brilliant people and, and then trace it back to our creative and creator God. So technology is theological in that it reveals the creative purposes of our creator God and reveals the image of our creator God in mankind. Third, third, technology is theological because God expects us to use technology to obey him. <clears throat> Does this sound weird to you? God, you, that God expects us to use technology to obey him. Excuse me. So it, it, you know, for some people, this may sound weird. Because sometimes we think of the risks of technology when we think of technology and the Christian life. We think it is godly to say, you know, I'm, I'm getting rid of my smartphone for a regular phone. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go off Facebook for a little while. Well, that might be exactly what you need to do. That, that might be exactly what you need to do in a specific situation. In this point that I'm trying to make, sometimes we equate godliness with the absence of technology. But I want to show you something from the Word of God that is, it, it's just common sense. I'm not going to spend much time on this because we're going to do more of that in the third point, but want us to use our God-given powers of deduction here. Is technology, or does God expect us to use technology to obey him? Where is that found? Revelation chapter 1, verse 10 through 11. What is the command of King Jesus to John the Apostle? The first words that come out of Jesus' mouth to the Apostle John. John says, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet saying, Jesus says, write, write what you see in a book. Send it to the seven churches. What, what does that necessitate? Technology, paper, a pen, ink, binding. He says, write. What about the very first command of God in the Garden of Eden? First command of God to Adam and Eve was not that they were to not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That wasn't the first command. That was the one that they broke. The first command of God was in Genesis 1:28, And God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over it, the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, over every living thing that moves on the earth. God created Adam and Eve naked. You can argue pre or post falls when they needed to invent technology, but they eventually needed to invent technology in order to obey God, to subdue the earth, right? They were, they were created naked in the, earth, in the garden. Everything off after that was technology, to till the earth, to harvest, to subdue the earth. They eventually had to create technology, invent technology. God expected them to invent technology technology to obey him. And lastly, the command given to the church by Jesus in Matthew 28, verse 18 through 20, Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, 
teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, and behold, I will be with you always to the end of the age. In order for the church to obey this command, she needs to get on a boat. She needs to get on an airplane to go to the nations with the gospel. God expects us to use technology to obey his command. So technology is theological in that it reveals the creative purposes of our creator God. It reveals the image of our creator God in mankind. And God expects us to use technology to obey him. I hope, I hope it's helpful to use the phrase technology is theological because it makes us think differently, doesn't it, about when we use technology, but when we uh, interact with technology. Um, a really helpful quote by Tim Challies gives us a definition, his definition uh, of technology from a biblical perspective. He says this, technology is the creative activity of using tools to shape God's creation for practical purposes. Technology is the creative activity of using tools to shape God's creation for practical purposes. Essentially, technology is making stuff that makes our lives better to carry out the task that God has given us. Technology is theological. So knowing that God expects us to use technology to obey him, shouldn't that mean, therefore, that everything we create should be used for the glory of God? Absolutely, yes. Absolutely. However... We live in a fallen world. And since we live in a fallen world, there are risks that come with the use of technology. And this brings us to our second point. Technology is risky. Now, I'm not saying that all technology is, is, uh, is going to be used for, for sin after the fall. Right? Some technology was made necessary because of the fall. Medical technology needed to be invented because of sicknesses to prevent deaths. In fact, some medical technology is necessary to sustain a quality of life. And we were very grateful for advances in medical technology. But even technology that, that is meant to improve and make our lives better can be turned to hurt and harm us and others. Take, for example, the Tower of Babel in Genesis 11, 3 through 4. And they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. They had brick for stone and bitumen for mortar. Then they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its tops in the heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. See, the technology that they had to, to build houses, to, to make whole cities, they used to disobey God, to rebel against God and his command to go and fill the earth. To give an example from our world, world today, nuclear technology. Nuclear technology can be used to power entire cities. At the same time, it can be used to destroy entire cities. Something as simple as a bed. That's technology. A bed, which is used to give us com a comfortable night's sleep. so We can rest because God knows we need it. It can be used to enhance sloth and sluggardness, laziness. And since technology is so closely related to our comfort, our well-being, and our survival, it makes for the perfect thing for our hearts to make an idol of, doesn't it? 
John Calvin said, man's heart is a perpetual idol factory. And he's right, I think. When we're not finding our fulfillment, our satisfaction, our joy in Jesus, our hearts will look for something else, won't it? We're always searching for, for fulfillment and joy. I've quoted Harold Best before about um, worship, but this is applicable here. He says, when we sin, worship does not stop. It changes directions. When we are not finding our joy and fulfillment in Jesus, we're going to look for lesser glories. We're going to look for it in other places, in other things. And technology is the exact kind of thing our hearts want to try to find joy in. So I want to look at some of the reasons why we might use technology. Because that would be a good place to start, to figure out, okay, what are the risks? How do we use technology? Why do we use technology? And, uh, and I want to be more specific, because like I said, you know, everything that we use is technology, but here I want to kind of talk about uh, modern consumer technology. Stuff like smartphones, TVs, um, maybe even your car, social media like Facebook and Instagram, online shopping, all that stuff is consumer technology uh, today. So, so why do we use technology? I was brainstorming them. Uh, one reason why we would use technology is to get things done faster. It's a good thing. That's the reason why we invent, to get what we want faster. You have one-click purchase. Dangerous. We, we use technology for comfort, to find self-value and worth by being accepted or approved of. That's what a lot of people use social media for, to find community, to be known by others, to begin or sustain a relationship, like a friendship that you had in the past. Pleasure, to find identity. That's why, this is just a few of the reasons why we use technology, social media. All of these uses of technology you know, might, might be good. And, and we're invented for those things and can be used for good. But aren't those things meant for us to be found in Jesus himself? We, we are meant to use technology to obey and honor God. We were meant to find our ultimate comfort in Jesus who gives us the comforter. We were meant to know how valuable we are to God because he treasures us, literally, he treasures us. We were meant to feel supremely acceptable because we are accepted by a holy God through Jesus. We are meant to find community, real, deep community in the body of Christ, being known intimately and knowing others intimately. We were meant to trust Jesus, who has a relationship with us, a deep, lasting relationship, and to honor him in our relationships. We are meant to find pleasures forevermore at God's right hand. We are meant to find our identity in Jesus, who so identified with us that it killed him. Now our lives are identified with him, our risen Savior. If, you're, if your heart is not finding fulfillment and joy in Jesus, you will use technology 
in the wrong way, you will use technology to find all of that and you will be sorely disappointed. You will be let down. It cannot bear the weight of your worship. Technology will never be advanced enough to fulfill the Godward longing of your heart. It will never be advanced enough. We, will, we, we could be here for a million more years and technology can be not even what we can even imagine or create on a movie screen, but it will never fulfill your Godward longing that you've been created for. And it's meant to point you to Jesus. So what are some other risks of technology, some more practical risks of technology? As I said before, technology, it's not evil. Technology is not good. It just kind of is. It's the application right, of technology that can be used for good or for sin. At the same time, we see the effects of literally having the world at our fingertips, don't we? And I'm not going to spend too much time on this because in my research, there are thousands of articles you can read on the risks of technology, but not very many articles on, the, on a theology of technology. Okay, so, so I encourage you to do your research, please, especially parents, do your research because you need to. Um, this is the age that is engaging your children right now. So let me just give you a few, um, a few numbers. Uh, one thing that comes to mind when we think of technology, especially the internet, is internet pornography. And it's rampant. And the largest age group that views internet pornography are children between the ages of 12 and 17. And that age is going down. Younger and younger, the kids get, as we go on, kids that are younger than even 12 will look at internet pornography. Side note again, parents, don't be afraid to talk to your kids. Maybe you think they're too young, the world doesn't care. The world does not care how young they are. In fact, the younger, the better. Engage your children, talk to them about sex, talk to them about what the Bible says about sexuality, about marriage, about sexual intercourse. Talk to them because the world is talking to them. The world is reaching out to them everywhere you turn. Talk to them. I am freaked out. My son is going to grow up in an age where this is all going to be fine. And so, so engage them. Engage them. Maybe engage your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren. Engage them because the world is engaging them. Um, and side note, more than 20% of teens are considered to be addicted to video games, computer games, smartphone games. More than 20% of teens. Cyberbullying. Cyberbullying, that's a thing. Before they were called trolls, now they're everywhere. Cyberbullying is a problem among more than 50%, 50% of teens, with only 10% of them telling their parents. Engage them, parents. Online identity theft and cyber crimes. Man, I work, I work at a financial institution and it just seems like everywhere is being hacked these days. We're having our minds bombarded by a barrage of information in 140 characters or less 
and that's creating an even shorter attention span in our kids who already have a short attention span. Families are spending less time together because we're glued to our phones even when we are together. This is for me too, I've been convicted by this. I can go on and on about the risks of technology, like I said, but do your, do your research. You don't have to go very far to find articles. Even, this isn't even Christian, a Christian perspective. The world sees problems with technology and the risks of technology. But what I want to do this morning, I want to get at the heart of the matter. As I said, technology isn't good, isn't evil, it is sort of neutral. The risks of technology is this. Listen, technology takes the things that we love when we are not loving God and enhances them. That's what technology, the risk of technology is. Technology takes the things that we love when we are not loving God and enhances them. It is not that technology has made us worse as a society. It is the age-old problem. Genesis, uh, Jeremiah 17.9. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Technology hasn't made us worse. It has allowed the worst to come out of us. The heart wants what it wants and will use whatever and whoever to get it. You know, you, you, you think about that. And we, we, are, we are twisted. The stain of sin is there. And we thank God that he's so patient to endure with us and to continue, continue to bear with us and transform us and to care about us. It's incredible. I mean, when, I, when I'm spending time on my phone, when I should be spending time with my family... I'm not saying, hey, this is a cool article, a Christian article maybe. I'm saying I don't want to spend time with my family, and this is helping me do that. When we are looking at pornography, we are, we are saying I don't care about women. I'm going to objectify them and use them for my ends. That is what we are doing with technology. It's allowing the worst to come out of us. So you can get rid of technology. You can get rid of your smartphone. But if you don't deal with your heart and find your joy and fulfillment and satisfaction in Jesus, then you will just search for sin somewhere else. You can go to a deserted island and cut yourself off from everything, but you still wouldn't have escaped your greatest enemy. Your heart will, will, has, its, has its eyes looking to see what it can worship besides God. You can never run away from your heart and its proclivity toward propensity toward idolatry. You cannot. There is so much more, so much more to be said about the risk, but I don't want to get to the heart of it. Use We need gospel transformation. That's what we need. We need gospel renewal. We don't need less technology. Technology will continue to be advanced. It will continue to go. We will continue to embrace technology. You can put it off for as long as you want, but you will eventually be embracing new advancements in technology. We as a church, as the church universal, we need to get back to the heart of the matter. We need gospel transformation. That's what we need 
when we fight the risks of technology. It's plain to see in our culture that technology is being utilized to engage us. We need to be engaging the culture. So technology takes the things we love when we are not loving God and enhances them. Could the opposite be true as well? Could the opposite be true? Could technology enhance our love for God? Can technology be used to glorify God? I want to say yes. And this brings us to our last point. Number three, technology for the glory of God. Technology is theological, and since we understand that, there are risks when using technology. How do we use technology to obey and glorify God? I want to give you some practical ways that you can use technology to obey God's command and to honor him. How do we use technology for the glory of God? Number one, use technology for the glory of God by obeying the command of God in the Great Commission. Obey the command of God in the Great Commission. I mentioned this earlier. God commanded us in Matthew 28 to make disciples of all nations. Especially here in Hawaii, we need to use technology to fulfill this command. In order to go to all the nations, we need to get on an airplane or a boat, but probably more like an airplane. Right? Some of you will use technology to maybe send financial support for missions to unreached and unengaged people groups. Some of you will use technology to know who to pray for out there. What people groups to pray for? I, I don't have this on the screen, but write this down, joshuaproject.net. joshuaproject.net. And that is a super good resource uh, to know who the unreached people groups are and who the unreached and unengaged people groups are in the world that need the gospel. And, and it will give you a, a map to show you exactly where they are and how to pray for them and the missionaries that you can pray for. We live in a time where pretty much all of the people groups in the world are known. Yet, we also live in a time that a majority of them are not even engaged. That means no one's thinking about going to them. No one's thinking about them. No one's engaging them. They're not only unreached, but they're not being engaged. What are we going to do, Kahului Baptist Church? What are we going to do about that? We have a resource on joshuaproject.net. Go there. At least be praying through that. Be praying for the people groups of the world. You can start there. Use technology to obey God in the Great Commission. Second way we use technology. We use technology to engage people with the gospel. Use technology to engage people with the gospel. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Jesus tells his disciples to be his witnesses in the world. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And then we see the example that they set for us in word and deed. In like manner, we are go to where the people are. We're, we're to go where the people are to engage them as witnesses in our lives, to engage them uh, with the gospel by word. What, what, are, what is Facebook? and Twitter and Instagram, but media, media, avenues of media such as newspapers or news on TV. We are to go where the people are. We're, where ideas are being exchanged 
and engage them with the truth of the gospel. Did you know this? I saw this yesterday. Did you know that there are more people on Facebook, on Instagram, and on Twitter, each individually, than there are people in the U.S.? Did you know that? Did you know that the population of Facebook users is greater than the population of China? Isn't that crazy? When we, when we use social media, such as Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, your life is on display for literally the world. Literally the world. Opinions and ideas are being shared and defended on these platforms. You will need to pray for wisdom because there are unwise ways to engage people on the internet and through social media. But don't use social media the same way unbelievers do. We, we're not, we can't do that, Christians. Use social media such as Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, for the glory of God to engage people with the gospel. That might get you unfriended very quickly. But it is obedience to the gospel that matters. It is obedience to the command of Jesus. Third way. Use technology to learn more about Jesus and the gospel. This is what I mean by, can we use tech, te technology to enhance our love for God? We can use technology to learn more about Jesus and the gospel. We live, man, we live in an incredible time. And it's so exciting. World-renowned Bible teachers are a click away. You can listen to them. You literally get seminary-quality teaching for free. One of the resources, Reformed Theological Seminary. Look them up, write them down, go on iTunes. All of their Bible courses are there for free. You get, a sem you get seminary um, type teaching. The websites such as desiringgod.org, the gospelcoalition.org, ligonier.org, t4g.org, ninemarks.org. All of these places, and way more than that, have Bible teaching from, from world's greatest scholars. They're right there for you at your fingertips. They can be speaking truth into your lives, of course. That is no substitute for the local church. But we, not only that, but there are millions of books that you could read, and, and they're at a fraction of the cost online. And there are also millions of books that are absolutely free. Books by like Charles Spurgeon and John Calvin and, and Martin Luther, all these older books that are absolutely free. Yeah, we can read all of these. You can, you can cultivate a deep, robust understanding of God without ever leaving your house again. Of course, we must leave our house to gather together as a local church. But technology can enhance your love for God in incredible ways, ways that 20 years ago, would be impossible. The question isn't, how will I anymore? The question is, will you? Will you love God enough to use technology to learn more about him? Maybe instead of watching TV one night, you, you listen to a sermon. Imagine if you did that one night a week, every week for a whole year. Imagine how much you would learn about God how much you should grow when you learn more about God. Use technology to deepen your love for Jesus. Fourth, 
technology. Use technology to guard you from the dangers of technology. Use technology to guard you from the dangers and risks of technology. As I said, parents, and even you parents, the danger is internet pornography. Dangers is going to sites that you shouldn't be on. There is technology out there, software, to help you, to guard you and your family from these things. There are certain websites that, and software that block you from certain websites. It's called Covenant Eyes. That's, that's the best one I've found. Covenant Eyes. Write that down. It, there is a cost. I think it's like $10, $5, $10 a month. But what is that for, for safety for your family and for yourself? Covenant Eyes. Great piece of software that can help you guard from the risks of technology. However, don't let this be the only safeguard that you offer your family when it comes to the dangers of technology, the best way, the absolute best way to guard them from the temptations, to prepare them for, for the temptations of the internet is by teaching them, engaging them. That is the best way to prepare them. Because sure, you can block it off now, but when they leave your house, when they go to school, when they're on their friend's phone, when they go to college, you need to give them tools to know how to um, to be prepared for the risks that come with technology. Finally, use technology to serve one another. Use technology to serve one another. We live in an age where we are the most connected to one another, while at the same time being the most disconnected. Does that, that make any sense? It's, it's width without depth. I, I mean, for example, I, I'm friends with or I, I have in my phone contacts of like 400 people. I don't even know, like, two-thirds of them. I have to go through my phone, but there's too many. I don't want to delete all of them, so I'm stuck with them in my phone. Yeah, I don't, technology has linked us to hundreds of people, yet we will never get deep enough to make those connections and relationships meaningful. So you have to make it intentional. You have to make it a point to use technology to go deeper with the people in your life and at this church especially. Pray for one another. Pray for one another. Send out a text. Sure, it's not as good as face-to-face. -face. That's what John was talking about when he says, I don't even want to use paper and ink. His technology back then, he said, I don't even want to use that. I want to see you face-to-face. -face. But when you can't do that, sure, go ahead. Use technology. Text someone that you're praying for them. Call them on the phone. Tell them. Uh, give them a little bit about what you're learning in the Bible and encourage them to continue to endure in the faith. Maybe use older technology and write them a letter. Use paper and ink. Living in an age of, of shallow relationships, we need to make it a point to dive deeper into fellowship with one another. And technology can help enhance your love for each other. An app that I want to give you um, to help you remember to pray for everyone in this church is an app called Prayer Mate. Prayer Mate. Download that app. You can put every single member from our membership booklet into that app. And every day it'll give you a new name to pray for. Every single day. And it'll keep cycling through it. It'll also give you um, world issues that you can pray for. It'll um, give you scripture that you can insert in there to pray for and to pray through so that you can pray through the prayers of the Bible. A great resource, prayer made. 
that's just another way technology helps us serve one another. So we've seen that technology is not just scientific, uh, but technology is theological. We talked about the risks of technology, the chief being that it enhances the idols of our hearts. We've also seen how we can use technology to obey and glorify Jesus. I, I, hope, I hope this is helpful. I hope this is helpful to give you tools um, to know how to think biblically about technology. But there is one more thing. Keone read from Hebrews and Revelation for us before, in, in, uh, before my sermon. Uh, with every age comes technological advances. I mean, you think of the printing press, what that did for the Reformation, made, made thousands of resources available um, to normal people. You think of the Industrial Revolution. We think about this digital revolution that we are in, probably the greatest uh, revolution uh, of human history. But every age brings with it something new that blows our mind out of our skulls. There will always be something new on the horizon that will make our jaws drop in amazement. The way my generation does this, unveils technology, is through what's called launch events. They'll get together a bunch of people and even actors and you know, movie stars and athletes will get together and see the new technology, the latest and greatest advanced, uh, in advancement in tech. And then later on, there will be videos on YouTube of people unboxing these new advances in technology, and they'll get millions of views on YouTube. Millions of people will watch these videos of people showing off the latest and greatest in technology. But what Keone read for us is a launch event of some sorts. It's an unboxing, John the Apostle's unboxing of the greatest realization uh, that will ever be known to man. Revelation is John showing us the glory of the Lamb of God. It is the unveiling of the one, one whom there is no need for advancement because he is the ultimate. It's the launch event of the new heavens and the new earth. In, in, in um, Revelation chapter 21, verses 1 through 6, John says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. The former things have passed away. And he who, sets, who, he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also, he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. Amen. How is she adorned? Pure gold. Clear as crystal. I, didn't, I don't understand how that, how that works, but it's going to be amazing, won't it? She's adorned in gems, stones, pearls, and it is God who adorned her. God who adorned her. And it is God who causes her to shimmer because he is the light. The Lamb of God 
as the radiance of the glory of heaven. It's going to be way more, like I said, if we're here for another million years, technology will be so advanced we can't even imagine it right now. But that will not even come close to the beauty of heaven, to the glory of God. It is the Lamb of God who will be the glory of heaven. If you are tempted to idolize technology this morning, or social media, or you look for glory in anything on this earth, you are looking, you're not looking hard enough. You are not looking hard enough. You are not longing hard enough. You are not yearning hard enough to see glory. If you were looking hard enough, you would turn your gaze upward and view the Lamb of God, the gospel that is your salvation. Look harder. Look harder. That is my encouragement to you this morning. We won't need technology anymore. Jesus is all we will need and all we will ever want. He is that right now. He is that this moment. And as we, as we sing... As we sing praises now, would you reserve your awe and wonder for Jesus and not technology? Ask God to help you to behold his glory in Jesus Christ. Then, only then, use technology to glorify him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Glorious, almighty God, we admit, we confess that we are content to settle. We're content to settle with lesser glories. We are content to settle with the idols of um, this earth. When we know, we know it in our minds that nothing will satisfy us. The only one who will satisfy our longing to see more cool things, to see more glory is Jesus. So would you fix our gaze upon Christ now that we might behold our God seated on the throne. May we be in awe and wonder of his love for us. So much so that Everything else on this earth we see through the lens of the Bible and we see as useful things to glorify you with. Help us, would you? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.